Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined today with our returning super producer, Seth Nicholas Johnson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. This is a good one, folks. This is classic, old school stuff they don't want you to know. These are conspiracies. We're not stretching the term. And we're finding an answer. So let's... Let's paint a picture real quick, uh, Seth. If we could get 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 a little uh, evening out in the woods kind of vibe there, mm-hmm. perfect. So imagine you're camping and it's late at night. You're near the river, maybe on an isolated stretch of woods. The sky above you is shining. It's deep. It's endless. And then it happens. Something appears, something faster than a plane, closer than a star. It hovers, it moves in impossible ways. It's got a number of lights, an unfamiliar shape, and you're holding your phone, fumbling to to try to press record. You get just a few seconds of kind of shaky footage before the thing ghosts on you. And you might say, okay, I'm a skeptical person, or I'm already a true believer in everything. X-Files, sign me up. Whatever happens, you've just seen a UFO. The story doesn't end there because no matter what you do, the next day you get a on your door. Two men are standing on your porch. They're dressed in black. 
kind of nondescript, slightly outdated suits. Behind them, you see maybe an older model car idling on the street. They look like they could be out of a black and white film from the 50s or 60s. May we come in, ask the men, calling you by name. They've got a tone that lets you know this isn't really a question. You're startled. You step back. You open the door because you're taught to, you know, comply with authority. Boom. You've just met the men in black. That's about how the story goes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've met the men in black. So don't blink. Be what was there is now gone. Uh, Black suits with the black Ray-Bans on. Uh, Walking shadow, move in silence. Guard against extraterrestrial violence. Wow. Yeah. Did you have that locked and loaded? No, I have it on my screen. (laughs) Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite line is that the title held by me, MIB, means what you think you saw, you did not see. Dude, this is uh, one of my favorite, I don't know, themes or uh, motifs within the UFO lore space. These guys, it's just, they, they can embody so many different things, whether they're, you know, a at least in the stories you'll read, whether they're actually people who are showing up as a part of the government or they are a part of the UFO itself, whatever you saw, whatever that extraterrestrial intelligence is or some combination of the two. Uh, And a lot of times, I mean, it, it was popularized through the movie men in black, but the concept of some kind of gadgetry that can force you to not remember what just happened. I it's, I love it. The little toothbrush looking thing. Yeah. Here are the facts. So this concept, this idea of men in black, what we just described, it's like you said, Matt, it's one of the most popular pieces of conspiratorial UFO folklore. Noel, as you pointed out, it's referenced in countless works of fiction. Uh, that it, those are the real lyrics uh, to the song for the first men in black, right? Is it the first one? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's just called the Men in Black rap, right? No, it's just <laughs> called Men in Black. And, okay. Uh, wait, is it a Stevie Wonder sample? I think it's Send Me, Forget Me Nots, but it's Here Come the Men in Black. Will Smith was very fond of doing that for his movies. Like, there's Wild Wild West, which was also a Stevie Wonder situation. You um, know, yeah. uh, our, our good friend Langston from My Mama Told Me had this thing recently (laughs) where he's talking about, because Stevie Wonder reminds me of this, man. I think you know where we're going. Uh, Apparently, well, in in this episode, they talk about this conspiracy theory that Stevie Wonder actually is sighted, that he can actually see. And (laughs) Felonious Monk went in. Oh, my God. He went in on that concept. Oh, he was Dude, brutal. That's like that's like a gag from a comic, a really broad comedy. I can't remember what it is, but it's like someone's trying to prove that someone is sighted, so they throw an object at them, <laughs> and knowing that they're gonna like, if they can see, they'll they'll catch it. But instead, it just hits them in the head and knocks them over. And they're like, oh, oh, shit. my bad. I guess you really are. Uh, yeah, yeah. I won't stay on the Stevie Wonder thing too long, uh, but I just have to say, anybody who's listening to this show who isn't listening to My Mama Told Me, do yourself a favor and incorporate that into your podverse because it is uh, it is wonderful. Yeah, Langston is uh, super cool. We had him on the show, and I've been tuning into uh, his podcast ever since. I would love to check to see if they have an episode on the men in black because, you know, like we've like you can tell, Easily from just our conversation here, fellow conspiracy realists, 
men in black is now a mainstream concept and it's a mainstream concept because it feels like it could be based in grounded things. The U.S. government and world governments have sent people to find civilians, right? If the FBI is investigating a case, then they will come and question you if you happen to be in the neighborhood or involved or something like that, right? And detectives will come. So it's it's not impossible nor implausible for government agents to show up at somebody's door. The difference here is that it just it it asks you to go one step further and say, well, they're also if they are also investigating, you know, murders or crimes or a big heist or something then they would investigate UFOs as well. So what we're going to do today is not spend too much time with the facts because uh, we found some facts and they are pretty crazy. Instead, we're going to attempt to solve this story or at least solve how the question of how Men in Black became mainstream in popular culture. So it's very early on, but here's where it gets crazy. Uh, it's a little bit of a cold shower. I hope nobody gets mad at us here, but as conspiracies go, it's mostly false. No! Why? We, was that too what? soon? <laughs> no, no, I think it's, I think, I, I think it's very respectful, Ben, and respectable to just get, you know, get that badger out of the bag, but, you know, but it's, it's that image of these types of people can be associated with all kinds of government intrigue, right? I mean, like the G-men, for example, like the, the men in black, it really is just kind of like the uniform of shadowy government operatives, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. It's so common. It's a trope that even shows up in that wonderful book, American Gods by Neil Gaiman. They have men in black in there, and that's not a spoiler, but it just, it feels reasonable, right? Uh, the origin of this story can be traced back to July of 1947, and we have a story for you. It's pretty cinematic. I, let's see, who wants to do the honors? I, I can do, get you started here. I'll do sound effects. Oh, bootleg, sweet. Bootleg Foley sound effects. All right, we're just going to go as written here. There's this fellow. His name's Harold, Harold Dahl, and he and his son, Charlie, Charles, they're, they're hanging out. They're with, a, they're with their family dog, and they're <laughs> and uh, they're on they're near the eastern shore of this place called Maury Island. It's a conservation area, and they're on a mission. Now, this is in Puget Sound, and they see something. Like a lot of the stories of people who see men in black, Charlie and Harold see something, and the dog. I'm assuming. Right. The dog must have seen something or smelled something. And they see what they describe as six donut shaped objects hovering about a half a mile above the boat that they are currently riding upon. So Dahl claimed that he watched one of these donutty, disky things flutter down to Earth and then disintegrate, shooting off kind of like. I don't know, like space shrapnel or something like these uh, fragments, some of which uh, hit his beloved dog and um, and ended the dog's life, uh, sadly. Dahl reportedly also took some photos of uh, these objects and showed them to his supervisor, a man by the name of Fred Crisman, um, who later visited the scene himself and saw another strange object in the sky, maybe the same one. He personally thought that it was some kind of aircraft. 
Yeah, he didn't immediately go Star Trek, right, with this. But Dahl would later go on to say he had a he had an interesting brunch date the next morning. He was visited by a mysterious man dressed in you guessed it black. And the guy was not the like the sinister men in black type of dude you hear about today in most fiction. Instead, he was he was kind of cool at first. He he took Dahl out for breakfast. He's like, hey, what do you what's your position on eggs or bagels or whatever? So these guys go and they they grab some food together. And this man, who remains unnamed today, appears to know exactly what Dahl has seen and experienced. And he knows a lot of detail about it. And at one point, he cryptically warns Dahl, you know, don't tell anybody about this. Don't talk about it. Uh, his specific quote per Dahl was, what I have said is proof to you that I know a great deal more about this experience of yours than you will want to believe. Whoa. The United, yeah, right? And it's it's one of those turns. Because at first, like, it's a nice town you got here. Oh, yeah. So um, you work in conservation over, you know, like with the islands and the Puget Sound. And then and then he just drops the bomb. Yeah. A little birdie told me, <laughs> named Fred, the guy that you told. Uh, no, I'm just joking. His friend <laughs> wasn't, a, wasn't a Men in Black whistleblower. Well, uh, maybe not quite yet. But the U.S. government investigates this incident and it's part of something uh, that you can see you can see described in a memo called Project Saucer. And they concluded that these guys were not mistaken, nor had they seen anything strange. Instead, the feds argued, they were making this up. It was a hoax. At the very least, it was a prank. So the they say, okay, this report were on that island in the Puget Sound, occurred just a couple days after this guy named Kenneth Arnold, different guy, claimed to see multiple crescent-shaped craft floating above Mount Rainier. So there's somebody else who has seen or said they saw a UFO in a, nearby, and just a few days ago, this story generated a ton of regional interest, and it got a lot of national coverage. So according to this memo, uh, these two other guys, Chrisman and Dahl, might have had a financial motive to their story because they immediately tried to sell it to a magazine based in Chicago. And this magazine did contact the government, and they contacted that guy from earlier, Kenneth Arnold who had seen some crescent-shaped craft. So this Kenneth Arnold guy and this pilot from United Airlines, a guy named Captain Emil J. Smith, they travel out to Tacoma. They're going to take a look at the evidence themselves. So they're going to talk to these guys, and they're going to look at the boat, uh, the boat itself to see if there's any damage or if, you know, like Noel described, there are any fragments of uh, alien provenance. Well, yeah, and if there's significant shrapnel to kill a dog, then likely there's damage to the boat of some kind, right? Just likely, not necessarily, but uh, yeah, let's let's get some actual evidence to this thing. And by the way, Smith also had some time in the UFO spotlight himself because he'd reported seeing some disc-shaped 
objects um, hovering over Boise, Idaho, not terribly long in the past, uh, on the 4th of July, in fact. And while he was in Tacoma, um, Arnold contacted two Army intelligence officers who helped him investigate the claim. Um, the men met in secret at the Winthrop Hotel, where Dahl um, produced some samples of the uh, the garments that he said came from the disc. Um, two officers left the next day on a B-25 for Hamilton Field, California, uh, taking some of those fragments with them to analyze um, further. Yeah, that makes sense. We got hard evidence, right? That's the thing missing from so many UFO sightings. So there is a strange twist here. Their plane never makes it to Hamilton Field. Instead, it crashes. There are four people aboard this plane. Uh, both of those officers who are taking these fragments for analysis, they die in the crash. The other two passengers, uh, a crew chief and someone described only as a hitchhiker, parachuted the safety. This hitchhiker was probably uh, also a member of the military who needed to get down to California for one reason or another. But if you believe there's something amiss, the fact that this plane crashed, it doesn't look good for the official story, right? And after the crash, newspapers and these wire services around Tacoma started getting these anonymous phone calls that said, like, that fallen aircraft has been purposely shot from the air with a 20-millimeter cannon. You know, sounding like, what? uh, what's his name, Ben Kingsley when he was doing the Mandarin <laughs> in Iron Man 3? Sure. You'll never see me coming. You know? Uh, like, <laughs> speaking of which, no spoilers, but if anyone yeah. hasn't seen Shang-Chi Shang in the Tinge, yeah. it's so good. I think it might be my favorite sort of more standalone Marvel movie, but that character in a weird way makes a makes an appearance it's so oh, dude cool. i didn't know you wanted i didn't know you were gonna go see it i will go see it with you uh if, i would if see ever. it again with you anytime i went with my kid and even she loved it and she's not a huge movie fan she's more into like serialized stuff and like manga and things but um yes we we both loved it and by the way first time seeing an atmos dolby um presentation and it's game changingly great like the sound um and the the picture just really fantastic i know i sound like an old person but i think it's relatively new and we, we only recently just got one here in atlanta um but really really cool oh where is it it's the mat the madison yards amc theater they have a dolby atmos theater it's, it's more expensive it's like almost like 3d prices but absolutely worth it and uh screw 3d this is like this is the way you want to go <laughs> matt you want to go with us 100 percent Okay. Awesome. For yeah. sure. I'm I'm all awesome. in. Awesome. Let us know if you want to go to the movies with us uh, <laughs> and what, what we should be watching. Uh, conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. So here's the deal. When the news comes out with these, these anonymous phone calls, uh, the story of this crash goes around, papers are reporting on a possible conspiracy. They're not saying anything definitive, but they're kind of darkly hinting that this plane may have been destroyed because of the fragments aboard. The government investigates the plane crash, investigates the ac accusations against it, and in a stunning conclusion, finds no indication of foul play. Instead, there was a type of mechanical failure. Yeah, so, sure, sure. Right, right. It's tough. It's tough because of the, you know, the timing of the tragedy. But at the same time, on the same day that plane crashed, something was going on with Dahl and Crispin. What was it? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And we're back. What's that song, uh, The Cracks Begin to Show? Do you guys know the song I'm talking about? Is it MF Doom? Does it have a melody? <laughs> uh, it's a dubstep song, it's apparently. Dubstep yes. Alliance? Is that it? Uh, I don't know the song at all. But it definitely says the cracks begin to show quite a few times. All right. Yes, we'll go with that one. It's the <laughs> song 
<laughs> I know you're into dubstep, Ben. By the freestylers. I have a number of interesting pursuits outside of work. Uh, dubstep, I don't know if that's one of them. I just like that song. I think if it's the right song. But anyway, the cracks fair. begin to fair show in, in this painful segue. The cracks begin to show in Dahl and Chrisman's story. The truth may be beginning to come out. Yeah. On the same day that this plane went down... Both Dahl and Chrisman took Captain Smith, the one of these fellows here, to see the boat that, you know, the one that had allegedly been damaged where the dog was killed, uh, where these fragments actually impacted things. And Smith was kind of like, mm, all right, I'm not necessarily seeing anything here that's out of the ordinary. Uh, it doesn't look like maybe there's that much damage. He later told investigators while he could see recent repairs that had been done on the boat itself, like somebody likely these guys had fixed a couple dings or holes or fixed in particular the windshield and the lights. It didn't look like there was a lot of damage, at least damage that was caused by falling shrapnel or shrapnel that was exploded. Yeah. So Smith is basically walking around going, all right, man, I, I, I can see beat up boats at home. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another kicker here. Later, under questioning, both of these guys, Harold Dahl and Fred Crispin, reverse their stories. They say, you mm-hmm. know what, G-Men, this was all a hoax. This was all hocus pocus on our part. Ho- hoaxes pocus on our part. Uh, the well, yeah, fra- I, I think yeah. about that. At this point, they they're now caught up in potentially being investigated for the deaths of some some military officials. They yeah, they that's a good point, Matt. So uh the fragments that they had presented of proof of this encounter were, it turns out, rocks they had found on the island. They had hoped to sort of judge their story up a bit by having those fragments when they, you know, when they spoke to that magazine in Chicago. So a couple of things happen there, right? If you are more of a true believer in government cover-ups of UFOs, then this questioning was a way for the government to force them to change their story and participate in a cover-up. But then, you know, if you're more on the skeptical end, of course, you're going to say, well, if it's a BS story, it's probably not going to hold up when the army and the FBI is quizzing you to make sure you've, you're consistent. Still, didn't really matter at this point because that, that match that spark of speculation had already been thrown onto the powder keg of cultural concern. And this is amid the massive UFO craze of the 1940s. It created the folklore we know today, and we can follow it. We can trace this evolution in American culture. We can find the rise for the men in black. It didn't happen. Right. Like it didn't happen while this was all going down. It took about a decade for an author named Gray Barker to talk about Dahl's Men in Black story in a book called, I love the title. I want to see what you guys think about this. They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers, 1956. Uh, I love it, Ben, but for, for me, when I look at the cover, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's always, they knew too much about flying saucers. <laughs> <laughs> That's the part you got to whisper. Flying saucers, 
Yeah. Okay. So it's 1956. Uh, a lot of stuff has happened, right? This is almost a decade later. So by then, the government considered Dahl's story completely debunked. Um, case closed, at least if you believe the official report. But this whole idea of these kind of like, you know, spooky, shadowy government agents was a little too fascinating and um, intriguing to not catch on with, with the public. Um, Barker played a pivotal role in this himself as his book connects the dots between Dahl's story about a, quote, man in a black suit with another story from a guy named Albert K. Bender, who claimed that three men dressed in a similar way visited him back in 1953. Oh, yeah. Bender's interesting. Let's spend some time on him. So before, this is the, this is the fascinating fact here, fellow conspiracy realists. Before Barker's book, They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers, hit the <laughs> press, it is enormously difficult to find references in print to something we would call the men in black. And only a few people who are subscribed to UFO-centered newsletters had ever heard of this guy, Albert K. Bender. But as the years went by, more and more people claimed to have encountered men in black, and the story evolved. In some cases, people who had had a UFO sighting in the past later revised or expanded their story to say they had also encountered the men in black, similar to how, like, the um, the number of people who claim that they were in the crowd during famous assassinations only seems to grow every year, right? Uh, this may be partially a trick of memory at some point. It may just be because they want to have a good story. Uh, or it may be, again, if we're being fair here, it may be because some of these people had sightings and they were afraid to talk about that aspect of it, maybe. Uh, originally, the men in black didn't have any, like, superpowers. They weren't aliens, blah, blah, blah. They were probably just FBI agents. Mulder and Scully hitting the bricks. Let's see what the heck is going on in Tacoma. Cue the theme music if we could. You know what I mean? Well, don't. Cue don't something do it. Like, cue something like the theme music, but... Yeah. No, that's not at all. That's too. That's too. That's too upbeat. <laughs> it's very. They're very Star Trek to me. Yeah. That yeah. Was very Star Trek. Well, that's that's fine. Well, as long as we don't get sued, you know. I, sure. I think I thought it worked. I thought it was good. But uh, but now that the story evolves, as people are playing this game of telephone and embellishing with their own details or their own interpretations these FBI agents start to not be entirely human. And you start hearing that their speech is stilted, that they use outdated phrases, that somehow they look off, their complexions might glow with a natural pallor. Uh, they might have a strangeness in their eyes. And they, they would use anachronisms in speech, you know, like um, uh, they would maybe, I'm just making things up here, but picture older words that aren't usually in use today, like, um, pardon me, you seem to have some rhubarb on your trousers, or pantaloons, maybe, or, you know what I mean, maybe they say automobile instead of car. Little things like it. that. That's what people are claiming. Uh, and this, this is interesting. I was trying to think of a good comparison. You guys remember the film Dark City? Oh, yeah. Oh, so good. I rewatched it. Uh, there's City. actually, there's a new thing coming out in the Dark City universe. 
I think it really? might be a TV show. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but if you picture the way like the supernatural description of the men in black picture the something like those uh, antagonists in Dark City. Anyway, so 1962, a few years later, Bender writes his own book. Matt, you want to give us the title? I like the way you did it. Uh, <laughs> mine, so mine sounded like 18, 1800s villain, vaguely transatlantic accent. So let's go with yours. I like Whisper Man uh, here. I, okay, well, I'm not going to do Whisper Man for this one. Uh, it's just this one is a little more straightforward. It's called Flying Saucers and the Three Men, <laughs> which is either very simplistic or very sinister, right? <laughs> it just doesn't. I feel like. Could have gone back, you know, and, and revised that a bit. But it's fine. It's fine. Mm -hmm. and, and this, his description of this encounter sort of sets the precedent for all those supernatural elements that become uh, so common in later years. Uh, we've, got, we've got some quotes here that are just perfect. They're perfect and they're weird. Uh, who wants to do the honors? I'll, I'll give you a couple here. So there, there, this, is, this is a quote. This I think you can read about this from history.com. Is that where I saw this? Maybe uh, I'm yeah, wrong. You should be able to find the quote in a couple of different places. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you can find this is what I'm saying. We're, I'm, we're not making this up. Uh, in the book, he writes that there were three guys. The three men, quote, floated about a foot off the floor. Okay. So we got levitation. Uh, check. Awesome. They looked like clergymen, but they wore hats sim similar to the Humburg style. So, again, we're talking about guys who seem out of time, but kind of like clergymen, but they're also floating. Cool. Their faces were not clearly discernible, for the hats partially hid and shaded them. The eyes of all three figures suddenly lit up like a flashlight bulbs, and they seemed to burn into my very soul as the pains above my eyes became almost unbearable. Bad vibes. Uh, very, very, very creative. Uh, yeah. Very, you know, very, very good use of language. Well written. Feels like something out of a sci-fi novel. Well, it's for me, it's, it's, hor it's horror. This is like horror writing of uh, the monster that you're encountering, you know? Mm -hmm. And this, he, he also says that they have a very interesting conversation. These guys who visit him say, all right, Mr. Bender, we're not humans. We are aliens. We appear human because we kidnap Earth people and we wear their bodies as disguises. This also comes up later in Dark City. Uh, spoiler. Uh, and Bender maintains this version of the story for the rest of his life until he passes away in 2002. So Whoa. first question, why are they telling him this? They show up, they like burn yeah. into his mind with their scanner powers, if anybody remembers that film. And then they say, we wear the flesh of your dead. T-T-Y-L. Don't say anything about this or the previous thing. Just be quiet and we're going to leave. <laughs> also, is there a Denny's nearby? We've heard great things. Well, it's it's very strange how it's the Men in Black film combines Bender's version of Men in Black 
in the creature, like the uh, a- the extraterrestrial that lands. You remember that? The farmer that turns, that it becomes a skinwalker, essentially, puts on the skin of a human. Do yeah, you remember isn't this? that played by, it's played by uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. I didn't yeah. even realize that until very recently because he's so crazy looking in the movie. Yeah, it's Vincent, it's Vincent D'Onofrio doing that version of Men in Black, essentially, uh, but then the G-Men version, like the human FBI G-Men version of Men in Black. I don't know. I'm just, I love how that film kind of takes a lot of these things together. Oh, definitely. No, it's it's a total mashup of all this stuff. Because like on the one hand, you're right there, like the the G men and the suits with the sunglasses and the mind erasing technology, but also they're like in league with aliens as well. Like they've got aliens on their team. You know, it's like mm-hmm. they're part of this diplomatic force to kind of keep the bad ones at bay, but like you know, figure out cool stuff with the good ones. <laughs> Yeah, and and also equally important for anybody who who is interested in that throwaway comment, Denny's was around in the 1950s. It was called Danny's Donuts. It was founded in 1953. So my favorite Denny's sandwich is Moons Over My Hammy. (laughs) Right. So that that uh, that throwaway reference, while it may not have landed, was historically accurate, right? And maybe that's absolutely. The other thing and I, 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 I don't know why you would think it didn't land. I was, that was, I'm craving a moons over my hammy ever since you said it. <laughs> well, well, uh, you know, you have the power to make that dream a reality, right? And uh, that's who knows. So whether whatever these aliens, if aliens they be, think of Denny's that is lost to history. But we can say the stuff that. The stuff that Bender describes includes things like, you know, levitation and then glowing eyes, the ability to give people headaches with a glance. That doesn't sound particularly inconspicuous, nor does it sound like a subtle approach. There's no denying it's great for Barker's book. And uh, if you ask the people who knew Gray Barker, who wrote that first book we referenced, you'll see that folks are kind of split about his motives. They question how much he believes the story that he wrote about with Bender and with Dahl. Yep. And we're going to get into that right after another quick word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. 
So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we're back. So... If you talk to friends of Barker's, like uh, one guy named John Sherwood, you'll hear that you'll hear speculation that maybe he made the men in black up on his own as a joke. Uh, Or Barker had talked, you know, he's just hanging out the way that you would hang out with your friends casually. He, He had talked off the record and he had said, at least at one point, maybe this guy, Albert Bender, had a really vivid really frightening dream. One of those dreams that is so vivid, it feels more like a memory, right? Than a dream. It feels like a memory of an actual event. And we've all had those people experience those, those feelings. You wake up. What's, what's the best trope? Has this ever happened to you? I, I've got, I feel like a stand-up comedian going like, what else? What else? All right. Yeah. But this, this is something that happens in relationships, right? Have you ever been dating someone and they wake up and they're mad at you because of some stuff you did in their dream, the dream version of you? And you have to, you find yourself at like, you know, seven in the morning or something saying, okay, but j- yeah, just, but just to be clear, I, I have never, uh, you know, I, I've, What's something ridiculous they'd be mad at you about? Oh, I've I've never planned to like throw pancakes at you and light our house on fire. Or look I used to have recurring night. dreams that I had murdered my neighbor, um, and I woke up guilt ridden, like really feeling like I had done this thing. Um, I don't know what that says about me <laughs> as a as my psyche. It hasn't happened in a long time, but I remember feeling very viscerally guilty for having done a thing. Wow. Yeah, no, I, yeah, that has definitely happened to me before, Ben. Yeah, mm. I think uh, what <laughs> I think one of the weirdest is I've I've also uh, woken up bummed by uh, events in dreams. Um, 
I'd love to hear about people's recurring dreams. All my dreams actually take place in kind of a shared universe. It's really trippy. The things that happen in one night's sleep or whenever sleep affect stuff in the next dreams. It's a whole thing. But but yeah, so we know that dreams are powerful. We have some episodes on that and on the science and speculation surrounding dreams. So it's totally, it's totally possible that Bender could have had experienced something while asleep that was simply so vivid he could not separate the dream from the waking world. But even if that's the case, the thing is, Albert Bender is very much not in on the joke. He was consistent and forthright about his story for the rest of his life. He never wavered, and it did. his encounter did prompt him to make some sudden changes. He canceled his article that he was writing on what he believed to be a UFO government cover-up, and he shut down this organization he'd founded, which you may not have heard of today. It's called the International Flying Saucer Bureau. It's kind of a predecessor to MUFON. It was the first major civilian club for UFO enthusiasts. It was only about a year old, and he just deep-sixed the whole thing. So we know that while his claims feel outlandish, and they feel unprovable, this guy genuinely believed them. He wasn't just trying to pull the wool over people's eyes in a a rush for money, you know? Yeah, we at least believe that he did, right? That we believe that's the fact for for him. But we we know this. And, man, I've been having conversations on Clubhouse lately with, with, with just folks who maybe blur these lines sometimes. Just because you personally believe something doesn't mean that it's true, right? Um, and that goes for all of us. And that's something that we, we just have to handle and deal with here. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, uh, oh, God, it's so strange. Consci- we know, we, I don't want to get too philosophical and down the consciousness route, but there is there is something to be said about someone who truly believes something so wholeheartedly that it is real for them. It is true for them. Sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this. Besides, like, if this guy believed it fully enough, then you can imagine that it shaped his entire life as it did. As with, we, We've just outlined all these things, that he, the steps that he took in his life to kind of build it around this one thing that occurred, right? Whether it was a dream or an actual experience. Yeah, totally. So for the observers of this, for people who believe it, or if you yourself uh, believe you have encountered something like the men in black, we would love to hear your story. And we'd love to hear um, your your take on what people like Bender have been saying. And despite the fact that there are problems with these initial stories, despite the fact that we now know more or less how the concept of men in black evolved into a part of UFO folklore, belief in these entities persists. For the hardcore believers, it's because those stories are true. And each encounter, if it gets debunked or if it has, you know, some plot holes, discrepancies, etc., they can be dismissed as misinformation. They're part of the cover-up, right? Uh, and this is this is actually not that implausible because the U.S. government is super into spreading fake conspiracies to cover up other stuff they're doing or other stuff they messed up along the way. But for more academic investigators, the persistence of men in black can be explained by two big factors. First, shadowy governments do exist. 
And they don't have superpowers as far as we know. They aren't some from some like far-flung galactic Shi'ar or Skrull or Kree empire. But there are, as we said in the beginning, there are lots of agents in plain clothes back then and today. And they work directly for any number of government agencies. And knowing this makes the story seem a little less implausible. And then as it, the second part is as it gets told and retold and showcased in popular media and people put their spin on it, whether they're selling it as fiction or fact, uh, people start toying with the idea. And there's when there's this um, resurrection of belief in men in black portrayed in fiction, then they start adding more and more layers to the mythology. But this is what gets me. If the wildest stories about the men in black are true, then that means these guys are terrible at their jobs. Yes. Like, That's think about it. Yes. They're like, ooh, no, zero stars. Yeah, that's exactly what I want to get to. There have been so many encounters at this point that have been documented, talked about, right? like I of of UAPs and UFOs. But how? When's the last time you heard a Men in Black story? Seriously, no, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't there. There was a. What was the last Men in Black movie? It's been a while. It's been a couple handful of years. Yeah, I, th- I don't know. I think there's a new one coming at some point. That's but cool. uh, I, I, all I'm getting at is that it feels a little less zeitgeisty than it maybe once was. Um, not that it only depends on pop culture references for that to be the case, but I, I don't know that I've heard much rumbling about it in, in a long time. I, yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying is on on message boards, on places where you may just stumble around on the internet looking for something like this, I'm not seeing men in black encounter stories. And you know, take that. That's one thing. The other thing for me is why would a government agent, let's say they're completely human, they're government agents, they know someone's seen something that they shouldn't see. Why would you expend resources making up stories and trying to prevent some witness from talking in that way? This is cold, but why would you not take them out in an accident or something or, you know, make it look like an accident or just pay them money you know, and, and bribe them. Well, I don't know. I, it doesn't make sense to me. It feels like if it was worth keeping secret enough, a government entity, if it was, if, if it was operating like that, they would just take somebody out to me. Mm-hmm. And, and the, also the, the way the folklore works here is that interest in it is cyclical. So it'll rise and fall, uh, and typically it'll it'll rise when you know another popular piece of fiction comes out about it. At this point, so if there's an uh, something with the success level of the X Files, then that would be enough. That would be enough to move the needle. But the thing that still gets me is just like we're saying, how bad they would have to be at their job. Like every story is these people told me never to talk about this mm-hmm. and I'm saying it at a lecture hall, right? <laughs> or I'm, I'm typing. These guys are so scary. That I'm- <laughs> traceable ISP, you know, that's so bizarre. And maybe, maybe this goes away because, uh, the, the, what we see and what we've referenced here shows that it's increasingly being understood by a lot of people 
as a, a fictional thing, a folkloric thing. That's why we we had asked and we'll ask again to hear your stories of encounters with, you know, shadowy government agents, if you believe. It, and do you think they were men in black or do you think like these were just uh, like, were they just the FBI being uh, weirdly enigmatic? Because usually they would announce who they are, right? They would say yeah. like, hey, when I'm an FBI agent, so-and-so. Uh, this, anyway. They were, so they were also hanging out with David Blaine or, no, I guess, no, they couldn't be Blaine at the time or maybe a different <laughs> reincarnation of Blaine, however uh -huh. that works. Mm -hmm. uh, but he taught them how to make it look like they're levitating. I, I like the idea of it. Not not David Blaine teaching them stuff, but David Blaine just like always all, also being there with the guys like, hi, <laughs> my name is Mr. Uh, Smith. And then like, and I'm David Blaine. And then you got Chris Angel, mind freak. He's like running the car. Anyway. Yeah, I love it. They're all levitating. <laughs> you know who else is a big outspoken uh, men in black truther is Dan Aykroyd. Oh, he, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he claims to have had several encounters uh, that date pretty far back um, with Men in Black and, and UFOs. And uh, he's also like a big pr supporter of MUFON and, and all of that stuff. Yeah. So pr pretty interesting. There's actually videos of him on, on YouTube of him talking about it. Uh, and he will post up at uh, UFO conferences from mm -hmm. time to time. So he's very invested in this whole concept. Dan Aykroyd has a fascinating family history with some stuff that is just, uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's a little out there, but you could totally see why Dan himself would be into this stuff because of his parents. It'd be great to, uh, it'd be, it'd be great to hear his stories firsthand, but yeah, he has uh, been an active member of the UFOlogy community for a long, long time. Uh, and he's very well versed on the subject. And you too may be thinking I've had an experience with something like this. Maybe I don't believe there are men in black with uh, superpowers, and maybe I don't believe they're aliens, but there's someone out there, and they told me there was something uh, they would rather the public not know. If that's the case, we would love to hear your story. We'd also love to hear your take on the concepts of men in black, the evolution of men in black in general. So hit us up. We try to be easy to find online. Yeah, you can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at the handle Conspiracy Stuff. We're also Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram. And uh, don't forget about the Facebook group. Here's where it gets crazy. You can join that and share memes and uh, and quips with all your fellow conspiracy realists. It's a fun place full of good folks. Um, if you don't want to do any of that, you can give us a telephone call. Yes, our number is one eight three three S T D W Y T K. You've got three minutes. Leave a message. Do whatever you will in those three minutes. Please leave yourself a cool nickname. We'd rather use that than your real name. Uh, Seth, you got to stop calling, by the way. There's so many messages from Seth right now. So he's reporting, many messages. <laughs> he's reporting all kinds of shadows I, out in the woods over there and on the lake. Yeah, I do, appreciate, lake. I do appreciate that it's a it's different a nickname each time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do appreciate uh, that. We know it's you, though. We do. I can tell, like, immediately, Seth. He has All a right. melodious voice. It's it's quite unique. Oh, it's soothing. Uh, okay, so do that. Leave your message. It's with your mouth, with your voice. If you have more to share, then you can fit into that three minutes. Please, instead, send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com.
Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Attention, true crime enthusiasts searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.